Hi there, welcome to What If. I'm Lorraine. And I'm Rosie. And absolutely delighted because our guest is Joe Brand. Joe, it's hard to describe you. I mean, you say comedian, writer, presenter, actor, lots of things. National disgrace. National disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> I aspire to be a national disgrace. It's so I can lovely. help with that. <laughs> I know. It's great to see you. It really, really is. It's fantastic. And I wanted to ask you, because I never get a chance to ask you about what you were like when you were young, when you were wee. I was nice. Where are you? You love thin and quite pretty. And I have a very strong memory of a friend of my dad's once. I don't really know whether this was pervy or not, but I was probably about four and it was summer and I had like a summer dress on. And I was walking past him and he went, oh, you look so pretty today. And even at that age, I thought, what do you say to that? And mm. I went, I know. <laughs> and then he went and told my mum and dad and they just laughed about it for years afterwards and whenever someone on the telly went oh you look pretty they'd all go I know <laughs> I like that because you never know how to accept compliments we're not very good at it no. so that's the best idea just say yeah thanks I know your mum what a force of nature she oh, was goodness Lord. me yeah absolutely amazing woman extraordinary woman did you learn a lot from her oh definitely yes because she was sort of a one-off when she was younger I've got a lovely photo of her with her friends, probably when she's about 18, and they all look like carbon copies of each other. They've all got the very 50s style of summer dress on and the same hairstyle and those awful sort of clumpy sort of but quite high-heeled shoes they used to wear in the 50s with your toe poking out the end. But actually, even from that age, she was a kind of rampant sort of left-wing feminist, really, except they just weren't called that then. So, yes, very much so. When I was 14, she said to me, don't ever get married, all men are bastards. <laughs> I like going, including Dad. She would have said yes. <laughs> but, you know, so, yes, she was amazing. Oh, she sounds brilliant, doesn't she? And she was a psychiatric nurse, right? That's She was a social worker. She's a social worker. Yeah, okay, sorry. and uh, she worked in um, child protection. Oh, okay. And I think that ground her down over the years because mm. it's such a difficult job. And also social workers still have such a terrible reputation. Mm. I've always found it really weird how social workers and whistleblowers have a terrible reputation because whistleblowers who, you know, flag up that something's gone wrong in an institution are frowned upon by I know, people. I know, it's Why? like, well, you shouldn't. And actually, they should be celebrated, of course. I, absolutely. Of course they should. But the thing about social work, it's really hard because you only hear about the dreadful, and there have been some truly mm. dreadful stories over the years, but you never hear of this social worker helped that family to, you know, to stay together and everything was fine and they helped this person rebuild their lives. And you'll never hear of, of all the good stories you just won't absolutely and and riffing on the theme of what if uh, very much when I was a nurse as well because we saw people where I worked in a, a very sort of high state of anxiety or psychosis or whatever it was and you know psychiatrists were called upon to make a decision about how dangerous they were either to themselves or other people and you can't get that judgment right 100% of mm. the time so we had some few and far between but pretty awful sort of you know things happened to some of the people we saw because they just made a slightly wrong judgment about them so and I think with social workers they not only have that imagine being a social worker going to a home where you know there's terrible domestic violence the door's answered by a hulking great brute who's been in prison for GBH and you're a little social worker saying can I come in and see how your child is well it's terrifying isn't it and you can't always get the police to go with you so I don't know how they do that job really I really don't, no, I don't know. No. what inspired you to be a nurse 
it was a bit pragmatic, really. It's a bit dull. It was because I got chucked out of home when I was 16 because, oh, for loads of reasons, but mainly because I had a boyfriend that was... Like, if you'd written a, a worst boyfriend in the world characteristics list, he had all of them. Okay. You know, he was he was kind of very wealthy. You think, oh, that's good. No, but it wasn't in a way because he was extremely spoiled. Mm. Uh, he was a drug dealer and he dropped out of university. And, you know, he, he just was... And my dad actually hated him because my dad was kind of, you know... That sounds like father's worst nightmare. Oh, That's the thing, absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. Well, yeah. absolutely. He showed it a couple of times as well in more than a verbal way, should we say. So after that, I just kind of sort of paddled about and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then my mum just said to me, why don't you just get some sort of qualification whereby you can actually do a job and work? And I was like, oh, like what? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so... She showed me this university course, which was a degree plus uh, mental health nurse training. And she said, that's a really good idea because then you've got both and you work every year for six months training. So I went, oh, right then. So it was that really, mm. you know. But she'd worked in mental health for quite a long time as well before she became a social worker in child protection. She was a social worker attached to a a psychiatric hospital. So I kind of was comfortable with it, really, because she used to take us there. They had a badminton court, so we would go there. And so I was never worried about... People believe all that rubbish in the tabloids about how scary people with mental health problems are. I think it's much better than it was. Mm. But if you remember stuff in the tabloids about Frank Bruno, for example, yes. and about people who we were led to believe are absolutely terrifying... And that sort of spreads and, and makes people believe the wrong thing. I'm not saying no people are terrifying, but it's a tiny proportion of them mm. comparatively. Mm. And things have changed, haven't they? Yeah, I Attitudes think so. have changed a, a lot. I mean, before, I remember years ago, I just suddenly remembered this. I remember years ago when I worked for TVAM and we had Rod Steiger, you know, the actor Rod I do, Steiger. Yeah. Well, he, he, in? he was in many things. The Heat of the Night, he was in. He was quite remarkable. Napoleon, he did. Okay. He did lots and lots of really. He looked massive. like Napoleon. He did. <laughs> he? he did. He was a wee tiny man. And he was the first one that I ever heard anybody saying that he had terrible mental health problems. And he said, and I'm not just talking about feeling down, I'm talking about, you know, deep, dark, in a terrible place and sometimes not wanting to be here anymore. And that was the first time I'd heard about that. And the reaction was, oh, no, they shouldn't be talking about Would it? Oh, no, we shouldn't be talking about that. And yeah. we have got a wee bit better, at least we're, we're acknowledging better. it. But then it's all very well talking about it, but you have to do something about that then, you know, and start yes. giving people ways to deal with it. Well, I don't want to get on my, my high horse. Oh, you can horse. get in your high just, horse if you want. Just 10 seconds. <laughs> I was reading the other day that 90% of the private mental health beds in private hospitals are taken by NHS patients. Really? Yeah, which I just think goes to show that closing down a lot of psychiatric hospitals was a pretty bad move. Really. I remember that. I remember that. What, was it called something like care in the community? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know how the way that George Orwell used to say, you know, war is peace and all of that in 1984. Well, care in the communities, it's exactly opposite, isn't it? No. It doesn't make any, any sense at because all. Because no one in the community really cares that much. That's not true, I know. But, yeah. you know, if you put someone who's got chronic mental health problems in a high-rise flat... No one's going to take much notice of them unless they make too much noise. Yeah, and there's yeah. a problem. You're absolutely yeah. right. You're absolutely right. From working as a, as a nurse and doing this degree and doing all the things that you did, when did the, the sort of 
comedy career come into it? Were you always were you a funny child? Were you the you know the one in the class? Always funny. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I was. But I had two brothers, and particularly my older brother was hilarious. So I think I kind of picked stuff up from mm. him. You know. What do you think your big break was then? When did you sort of think, oh, I can do comedy? Well, it took a couple of years. I kept saying to my friends, oh, I only went to be a comedian, you know, and they were so fed up with me. And then one day, one of my friends said to me, I'm, I've arranged a benefit in Soho in a little theatre for Greenpeace or something. Why don't you just come along and do five minutes at the end? And you'll never do it if I don't make you. So I went, oh, all right. And so I went along and did it. Absolute disaster. Seven pints of lark. I couldn't even speak hardly. The audience were horrible anyway. They'd hated everyone that had been on. So I don't know why they thought I would get on okay. The only bonus about that was the next morning, I'd been so drunk, I couldn't remember any of it. And I thought I'd done okay. <laughs> so um, I then sort of started doing ordinary kind of proper comedy clubs around London. I built that up over a couple of years, I suppose. Mm. And then I was asked to go on a show called Friday Night Live, which oh, Ben Elton... Yes, I remember compared. that. His wee sparkly suit. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, it went well on that. So that was when I really felt like, oh, maybe it's going to mm. happen, you know, because... There were so few women around doing stand-up yeah. and that was a, a bonus, but also it made life very difficult because mm. you never ever work with other women on a bill because there just weren't enough of us to go round. Mm. Yeah. Was it something that you noticed a lot when you were starting, that the, you were the only one? I, I did notice it, yeah, and I didn't really suffer from it in the sense that all the male comics around at the time were lovely, you know, and nobody ever sort of sidelined me or made it difficult for me at all. But it was what you call alternative comedy. So it was quite an odd bunch of people in many ways. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you had a vegetarian restaurant where they used to do stand-up gigs in North London. And at the time, because it was during the Falklands War, there was a double act called the Port Stanley Amateur Dramatic Society. And they would come on dressed up as Argentinian soldiers <laughs> and throw corned beef sandwiches at the audience because <laughs> corned beef's like big in Argentina, that's where it comes from. And they got barred from this restaurant because they had corned beef. Oh, <laughs> it's bonkers. It's so completely bonkers. But you were such a pioneer. I mean, I remember watching you. I remember watching you on, you know, Friday Night Live and all of that. And you you looked different. You seemed the most confident woman I'd ever seen on TV. You know, your look was fantastic. And it was like you didn't give a monkey's. We were lucky to be listening to you, I felt. Well, I, yeah, maybe that's what made people hate me so much. <laughs> I mean, inside, I didn't feel like that at all. But I always think half the battle of anything you have to do in life is appearing to be confident. It doesn't actually matter whether you are or not, but yeah. if you can act confident, you know, you obviously run the risk of people thinking you're arrogant and you don't care, but as a comic, that's much better than just... Because comedy audiences aren't kind to people, you know. If you start to falter a bit and you look worried that it's not going so well... They don't sit there and go, oh, we'll help you along sympathetically. They mm. kill you. Yeah. And they boo you off. They start <gasps> heckling you. I just you can't. know. But what can you do? 
But it's interesting, though, because a lot of women now... Did you have anybody that you could look to when you were doing what you do in the way that young comics can see you and see, you know, you know that, that there might not have been someone, I don't know, it would be maybe there, American there, comics or something? There weren't, there weren't loads, no. Well, I suppose, I mean, in terms of her comedy, and our comedy was very, very different, Victoria Wood was going quite a while oh, before yes, me. Oh, yes, of course. And I absolutely loved her. Fantastic, you know. so clever. She was a one-off because yeah. she appeared from nowhere doing brilliant songs mm. and just sort of like owning the fact that she was doing stuff about women and for yeah. women. Do you know what I mean? It, mm. it, in a way, it wasn't for men, but she didn't sort of trumpet herself as a feminist or anything. Yeah. She just did it and she's she was quietly very got funny. On with it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. But there wasn't really many at all. No, not a lot. Marty Kane. Do you remember oh, her? I do. Of course I do. But she must have been one woman in just a sea of men because I can't think of any other women stand-up And I think she did all the working men's clubs as well. She did. Um, she came up through that. And yeah. the most glamorous, beautiful woman. Um, she was like stick thin, yeah. but really elegant and tall. <laughs> she used to wear like kind of Evening dress. Yes, she sparkly she ones. She had big hair. Shirley Bassey, okay. sort of yeah. that kind of thing. Quite drag queen in, was, in a, in a good was. way. In a good way. Sadly, no longer with us. A lovely, lovely woman. Um, but yeah, you're right. That was about it. Yeah, that it was. was about it. But so things have definitely changed. Oh, they really have. Massively. They really have. Mm. Hugely, hugely. So from the comedy and doing all of that that you do, more presenting now as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. Which is which again, how how did that happen? How did you get to this? Well, I think, you know, life is a series of potential paths, isn't it, that you yeah, can go exactly. down. That's why the, the what if yeah, thing absolutely. is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always see I just assess things on their merits. If I fancy doing something, I'll just do it, you know. Yeah. And then if I like it, I'll do it a bit more. <laughs> if I don't like it, I won't ever do it again. Yeah. So I've just tried loads of things. I think the thing is, like, particularly with women and particularly with women that have children, no one actually knows what's going on behind the scenes. And you could... I've always thought this about athletes, you know. Like, if they're competing in the Olympics and they've had a massive row with their husband, they've got their period, they're not feeling too great, and then they've got to run the 100 metres and it's the one chance they get in four years... That's so much pressure, isn't it? Yeah. And I think with male comics, I mean, particularly 20, 30 years ago, you could kind of tell that that domestic trivia was not for them. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So they would arrive at gigs and just they would be them. Mm. Whereas I would come to gigs having, well, had a long day at work, you know, maybe having been shot with that by a patient something or later on in life something had gone wrong with the kids I was worried about whatever that was so I think women have always got their heads full of everything else and it makes it more difficult really and I have noticed this you know there is a movement towards women doing comedy and being so much more independent but very few women actually have families who really throw themselves into the circuit and tour the world. Right. Whereas for men, it's oh, fine. Nobody ever asks go. them. Yeah, they just mm, totally yeah. off. And it's, you're, you're yeah. right, actually. That's really interesting. Because you would have had to make some choices, I guess. Mm. 
Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I made a choice that I didn't want to get a nanny, for example. Because right. I had a couple of weird... I had such a weird incident with a health visitor, our regular health visitor, who was absolutely brilliant. She went off on a long holiday to the Caribbean, and so we had a temporary one. And she went to a party and discussed me and my husband and our kids and our house with someone... It was a party 50 miles outside London and she just happened to discuss it with my (gasps) sister-in-law, not realising who she was. Oh, no. And my sister-in-law just let her... Oh, yes. ...carry on and carry on and carry on until she finished and then she said, Joe Brown's my sister-in-law. And this woman obviously thought... Oh, my God, I've lost my job. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm. because that's hugely unprofessional. Mm. I, I can't say. And in the end, I really hummed and hard about whether to report her, and I actually didn't. Mm. But I just, I knew she would think something was going to happen, and I thought that was probably yeah. enough. enough. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Gosh. Worrying about it. Yeah. Freaky. And then I want to talk about the acting as well. Oh, um, yes. With getting on. What was it like reliving that? Was it a bit... Well, I'm a bit emotionally blunted. (laughs) So nothing ever traumatises me like that because I just do it, you know. Yeah. Um, And and I think, like, like, you know, I've talked about it so much and I won't go go on about it, but my dad suffered from very severe depression when I was a kid and a teenager. And he's a really, really difficult person to live with. And I think that you just, as a child, we all did it, me and my brother, you just sort of shut down a bit emotionally to be able to manage it all. And so if I'm worried about something or upset about something, I just don't think about it until I've got time to be upset or, you know, mm. rant about it or w- whatever it is. So I think that's a hugely valuable skill that you oh, can compartmentalise yeah. like that. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, really, some yeah, might say, you know, you're not kind of very empathetic person, but I am. I just am able to do that when I need to. Yeah, you know? and Maybe you, you are. need that to yeah. do that job as well. Absolutely. You need to, you, you, you can do it otherwise. You've no. got, it's, it's got to be a balance, hasn't mm-hmm. it? Well, same with you. You must have so many days or some days where you just, the last thing you want to do is, you know, the other thing I find really hard is because I am like the antithesis of stylish is <laughs> is go to work looking half decent. I mean, if I could, I'd just go in a sack because <laughs> I don't care and I'm just so much more relaxed. And the stress to me of doing TV and having people going around you, I mean, they're not really like that. They're no, lovely. Know, but, but... No, you're right, you're right. I mean, to be honest, if I didn't do my job, I mean, I, I leave my, my work clothes around my work. You know, my, my clothes are kind of like, yeah, yeah they, it's a tracksuit, yeah. it's a tracksuit. Yeah. And I go into work in a tracksuit. But the, the great thing for me is I don't do anything because I turn up and Helen does my makeup. Yeah. Which means, of course, I can't do my own makeup. I look like a clown oh, when I try to do it. I just don't put I'm it on. I just don't wear it. I just I don't wear it. I can't do my hair. What am I like? I can't do it, can I? No. No, it's, but, but it's quite good. It's quite good that you can, you know, you get that help. Quite like, it isn't, but then again, I've got glamorous daughters who know exactly what they're doing and they dress beautifully, and they've got none of that from me. They probably <laughs> do that because of me. They're probably thinking, oh, look at the state of mum, you know. <laughs> we won't be like that. <laughs> but listen, can we talk cake? Yeah, I want to talk cake. <laughs> Go on then. How much do you love doing that show? I love doing the show. I don't actually like cakes very much. <gasps> Stop it. I don't. You must. I like Victoria Sponge. Yes. Okay. And I um, don't really like anything else because every time I have something else, I want to have a Victoria Sponge. Mm. There is something 
glorious I'll show so her simple isn't Victor- it see that's I quite like that I like simple food yeah and I, I like that so would it be better if you did a pie show rather than a a pie show, show. <laughs> but <laughs> Very happy. The I would be in. overjoyed. Um, I don't know how I'm going to phrase this, so I'm just going to start talking. Um, both of you have raised teenage daughters, and I'm not. I don't really know what my mum was like when she was a teenager, but you said that you were kicked out and it was a bit difficult. Did you kind of think when your kids were the same age? Oh God, I wish I was nicer to my mum. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's brilliant. Uh, Yes, I think I did probably, mm. you know. But I mean, I think every every family just has their own very personal chemistry, don't they? You know, and the chemistry of our family was that my dad was very traditional. He had severe depression and my mum wasn't traditional, even though she looked it on the outside. She wanted to be a social worker. So she started going training when I was about 11. And my dad hated that because he wanted her to be Hmm. the one that stayed at home. So he was like, on top of everything else, he was angry with that. And so I did feel sorry for my mum because she kind of got it in the neck from him, really. So I tried to be nicer to her. He was the one that I really hated, to be honest. And, And I knew she was trying to hold it all together. But wanting to sort of be seen to take his side or else he would have kind of been even angrier you know so I uh, one thing I decided I would do is because at the time my mum never spoke to me about it and I really wish she had you know Mm. and I just decided to be a bit more honest with my kids really Mm. um, about how things are because in those days it was all very stiff upper lip nobody talked about anything you know you didn't it's certainly not mental health no so many people were struggling with mental health problems they they were you know people did have I know for example my grandfather was definitely depressed yeah definitely but there was no way that he would ever have asked for help or indeed that anyone around him it would be pull yourself together Mm. that was the thing pull yourself together but also did I don't think he would have even known Probably not, Rosie. As well. Probably not. No, you probably just thought that was the norm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and go and have another pint. You know, that was the way that men were... Well, unfortunately, that was the way a lot of men coped in those days. Oh, they go down the pub and and just that's that and don't don't deal with anything. But we have got better. We have got a lot better. I mean, we did say that, didn't we, that Hmm. things are better. I think your generation definitely have got... It's, it's just more talked things. about. I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think men talk about their feelings mm, so much more than they used to. Yeah. You know. Have you got a sort of inbuilt, I suppose, some sort of device inside that you know how far to go? That you kind of know and I know how far to go, but I don't often keep to those regulations. That's my problem. I I can't help it sometimes. It's yeah. that kind of, you know, mouth opens before brain engages thing. I've always been a bit like that. So I am very aware of it mm. and I do try and stop myself now before it gets too far, really. But sometimes we need that. You know, we just need that. We definitely do. I mean, we've seen yeah. you, you know, shows like you host, like, like Have a Good News for You. That's mm. amazing. We love that, Have a Good News for You. It's really good. And it's lovely to see more women doing that. Yeah, and they are, which is great. They really yeah. are. You know, you, you sometimes see, I don't know that there's any time being, it wouldn't be all women, obviously, but, you know, if you've got the two boys two chaps and then yourself and maybe two women that's great which know? we did have yeah, yeah that's right yeah, so that's that was right. good that's yeah. really good yeah and that's what you want you know that that's the thing do you feel as though you're you were like a pioneer and you oh, are God, and, no. and, do you know were no. you just doing your thing yeah <laughs> I, yeah 
Also, I didn't really read very much press because I was constantly disappointed. <laughs> you know, because I, a lot of the tabloids were really were not, not kind about they me. They were horrible no. to you. Yeah, they were horrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they right. are. Yeah. They are. And um, you know, my my thing is like like why read it and upset yourself? Just mm. don't read it, you know, and then you don't know. You're sort of blissfully unaware. That's what used to happen, but then obviously with things like Twitter and yeah. all of that. You no, said that if social media was around when you were starting, you Oh, I would have, have been I would have been slaughtered it. and I wouldn't have I would have left. I would have been in a in a corner with a bottle of gin sobbing. Mm. You know, I don't generally would. But do you read <laughs> stuff on Twitter, for example? I try not to. Yeah. I, try, I don't. I don't really do that so much. WhatsApp is lovely because it's just pictures of people's dogs, really. Isn't yeah. it? What you're thinking of Instagram? Mm. What did I say? WhatsApp. Well, I get them mixed up. See, no, I'm a bit like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm people on are Insta- lovely on it. Yeah, Instagram's really nice, and you just put that. Yeah, you just put lovely things on. But Twitter's got a very dark. Very, very dark and actually quite dangerous as well. So we don't really might get more dangerous now. <laughs> yes, exactly. With Mr. Musk stuff. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, indeed. I know. I think the problem with something like Twitter is it's not a kind of nationally owned yeah. you, you know piece of technology. It is something that someone very wealthy owns. Yes. And and the problem with that is that they then control the agenda. Mm-hmm. And we all know that certain people shouldn't control the agendas of, of, of things, really, or what their bias is. So I think that makes it kind of quite difficult for people to sort of judge how they should be on it, mm-hmm. you know, because some people say terrible things on Twitter and don't get taken yeah. off it, and other people say, well, not so vile things and do. So, you know, it's their judgment um, mm-hmm. rather than, yeah, you know, a kind of national kind of... Uh, you know, document which lays out all the rules, shall we say? Well, that's the thing. It's a wild waste. There's no, there's no rules. No. You're a wise woman, and you're an opinionated woman. Had you ever thought about going into politics at any time? Was that, Ooh. was that consideration at any time? Or, yeah, I did think yeah, about yeah. it. I'm, I'm think you'd be great. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I paddle around on the fringes of it, you yeah. know. But I think, especially these days, it's such a poison chalice. But I don't think that should stop women doing it. No, neither do I. Neither um, do I. But you're right. You know. Yeah. But women are so very much judged still, aren't they? On, I mean, if you think about all the stuff like uh, Theresa May's shoes oh, and, uh, mm. you know, someone else's clear. Of course, Angela Rayner goes without saying. Mm. And all the sort of trolley stuff that, that women get is all about their appearance. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with what they say. No. It's almost as though it doesn't matter what women say as long as they look all right, you know. Well, you got that. You got that a lot in your early career. They weren't listening to what you were saying. You know, they weren't listening to your Shame, jokes. really, because I was being horrible to them. I know. <laughs> and it was like when they got, bit, they got terribly offended as they were absolutely ripping into you, you know. They are saying all these horrible things about you and about what you were wearing and what you looked like what your hair like and you know you, oh you were wearing Doc Martens what's going oh, on I what know. is the world coming to oh, I know. and and then they were, and she's been horrible to us <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember one of the tabloids very early on they, they all thought I was a lesbian because obviously how could I possibly not be looking like I did <laughs> and um, they started phoning up other comics on the circuit and asking them if I was a lesbian so no wow yeah Paul O'Grady got a call he did not <laughs> 
<laughs> I would <laughs> love to have heard that from Paul. <laughs> I know, actually. I think he gave them short shrift. I'll be um, dead. Yeah, but so, so you know, it's, it is, there's that ridiculous side of the tabloids that's so silly, mm. you can't you can't believe it, but it's also very toxic as well. Yeah, and, it's, and it hurts, you know, it has yeah. to. It does, mm. you know, even though you just say, oh, no, it doesn't really. It, of course it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was thinking to myself the other day, you know, when I was thinking about this, I don't know in, in this society whether it's worse to be really attractive or really unattractive because actually the difference between them is walking down the street and having some bloke perving and leering over your chest area or whatever and saying awful things to you mm. or a bloke just saying awful things to you about how you look, you know. Yeah. Mm. And and I... it. it I know this sounds like I'm justifying it, but I would rather be like me and them not be interested. Because I remember actually when I was about 19, I lost loads of weight really quickly. I lost about three and a half stone in a few months. And this guy that I knew who I was really good mates with, who I was working in a wine bar at the time and he, he worked in a shop opposite. We used to have a real laugh, you know. And then when I lost all the weight and I kind of like, I think one of my friends kind of made me up one night and met, dressed me up to look <laughs> like a woman. And, and <laughs> we went out and he was in the bar and his attitude towards me had totally changed. Aww. And he was sort of like, he was a bit sort of slimy and pervy. Oh, and oh, no. I don't know if I actually consciously thought about that, but I just kind of thought, I, I really don't like this. And mm. I like the relationship we had before anyway it all went back on in six months that way so <laughs> there obviously something going on in my unconscious God, strange it's mm. sad isn't it that that I can know. happen like that it's just, it's, I wanted to ask you about the fact that how tenacious you are because I remember the walk that you did it was for was for comic oh, oh it was yeah, comic yeah. it was yeah and you did this amazing was it not about 150 miles or something crazy like it that? was it was from Hull to Liverpool it was like 140 I think yeah jeez I, oh, I, I remember interviewing you at the time and just thinking wow so for you to do that because if you don't mind me saying you're maybe not the most athletic woman perhaps no I will accept that <laughs> charge <laughs> But that makes it even more impressive, you know, that, that mm. you that you decided to do it and then actually blinking did it. Yeah, it was kind of a challenge really mm. to people because I knew like it was Greg, my trainer. I don't know if you know Greg White, but he trains all oh, brilliant people. Guy. Yeah, yes, I did, a, I did a walk, the, the same, I did a desert walk thing, and he was, yeah. he was really good. He's so cheerful, isn't he? Always. It's irritating sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Bless you, Greg. <laughs> He, they made a documentary at the time. And <laughs> for example, he's at the beginning going, she's never going to make it because she's morbidly obese. And I always do a line about okay. that in my stand-up saying, I was surprised by that because I think I'm quite cheerfully obese. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. Um, That's a great line, I love it. <laughs> but he, I mean, he did really spur me on. Yeah. And it was so enjoyable, to be honest. I love walking. Mm. Um, and each day at the end of the day, it was horrendous because I had to get in a cold bath with ice in it for 10 mm. minutes. Yikes. And then have a massage, which is more like just being beaten up by this bloke that used to be in the SAS because he was <laughs> like, a, you know. And, yeah, it was stressful. And also the other problem was is that you're on the way you're just meeting loads of people. And because I'm so knackered all the time, it's really grumpy. And so I was trying really hard to be lovely yes. 
but just thinking, would you just fuck off and leave me alone? You know. So basically, you left a trail of disappointed people in your wake. Well, I've got all she's really get on bay. I don't think I did because I tried so hard. But there was one woman right at the end of the day. She was like probably in her seventies, and she's a teacher. And she said, "Do you mind if I walk along and chat with you?" And I said. Well, no, I don't mind, but I should warn you. It's the end of the day. I'm absolutely knackered. I haven't got much to say, and I am quite grumpy. Mm-hmm. And um, she, so she started talking and said, do you like this? And I went, I don't know, like that to her. And she went, I have never been so insulted in all my life. That was after about 20 seconds. And I said, I did tell you. <laughs> anyway, so I left her disgruntled. But everybody else was very impressed. That was a great thing to do. It was a brilliant mm. thing to do. It really was. And did you surprise yourself or did you know you were going to do it? No, I surprised myself. But I, I, I mean, I was pretty sure I was going to do it because oh, yeah. I couldn't bear to fail at it of course mm. because everyone somehow always like you know if you look at Eddie Izzard with oh, his kind of yeah the mark you know, unbelievable his feet like sort of bloodied bunches <laughs> of grapes and with, the, yeah, the yeah. but he still did um, it still went for it Eddie yeah. still went for it so I kind of thought I can't be the one comic relief sort of task thing that fails so and David Williams swimming the Thames do you remember and he got really incredible yeah. he got why, really I don't know why anyone I don't know why that was allowed I know that was probably no. It was it was grim, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But a great thing to do. A great. But also for older women as well, because we're hardly ever held up as kind of paragons of fitness, are we? (laughs) So just to say to women, look, if I can do it, you can go for a walk up a hill. You know, come on. And it would make you do it. And also, I was quite sporty at school, actually. What was your sport that you? Uh, I was. Good at tennis mm-hmm. and I was good at netball. I was in all the kind of teams. Hockey, I had a rest and just stood in goal. That was a laugh. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking if, if Labour get back in again, you could be culture secretary. Do you fancy? What, Nadine Dorries? <laughs> I mean, what, a, <laughs> what, what a tough act that's going to be to follow. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I could just see you doing something like that. It's like what I was asking. Too old. No, but the thing is, you've got all this experience that you've amassed. And you're a wise woman and you have to pass it on. Mm. I think you should do it. Oh, no, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling everybody else. I think, I think it would be... I think you're right. I think it is quite a thankless job, but I think we have to try and maybe turn that round mm. a little bit. Yeah, so, I think... Yeah. I think Parliament just needs to be reorganised, quite honestly. The kind of combative, posh boy nature of it. Oh, no. It's just so We're all unsuited. So fed up with that, aren't we? Just everybody's just had and enough. They've changed it in comedy. You know, I mean, it used to be all blokes gobbing off and, and women were doing just doing characters because yeah. it was easier for them. You know, if you've got a character, if someone boos you off, they didn't boo you off, they booed the character off. Right. So it was kind of easier. Yeah, I get that. But women have made their way into it and they have a real foothold now, despite there's a few poor, sad people going, oh, women aren't funny still. But not very many of no, them. No, you don't really you hear know. that now. You don't really hear that. So now. you can change the kind of climate of things mm. and they just need to do that. In government, I think. Mm. I think that if you want to be an MP, you shouldn't be allowed to be one. Oh, that's what Billy Connolly said. <laughs> I know he did. I know. That's one of my I favourite often quote things. him. Isn't he the best? Absolutely. And I think. Don't people, encourage them. <laughs> people should just be randomly, 
you know, made to serve like a jury, like a jury service. Mm. Yeah, Why don't we do that? That's mm-hmm. probably a much better idea, I would think. It'd be so is... interesting. It'd be so hard to organise. But can you imagine <laughs> a random group of people? <laughs> It'd be brilliant, wouldn't I think it? We have to yeah. start that. Start the revolution. As long as we film it, which will start the revolution. What's next for you? What are you want to do? Is there anything else you've got in your your wish list that you want to do? Well, the answer to that is not very much. <laughs> I kind of just want to have a rest now. Yeah, I, I, you know, so, yeah. I mean, I I don't particularly like touring as much as I used mm. to, just because sitting in a car for like eight hours, you know, when I first started touring and the kids were like really tiny, I came back every night and that was so stressful and I kind of feel like I've done my time. Mm. Um, I, you know, I like, I do, I do want to tour, but just like within the environs of the M25. <laughs> Sorry. Aberdeen. Um, <laughs> Do virtual tours. Yeah, no, that's absolutely. it. Isn't it? Uh-huh, you could be a hologram. Yes, no, that <laughs> would be very good. Um, that would be great. That would be very that's good. The way and all those things it. are so much more possible these days, they aren't are. they? Mm-hmm. You know, definitely. Um, so, uh, to be honest with you, I never had a plan, and so I'm ha- always happy with where I am. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Even if it goes wrong, I think oh, it'll be all right in a month yeah. or whatever. So. And I have nothing that I haven't Great done that, that, I, that I want to do. So I can't. Brilliant attitude. Quite. But we'll see you in the cake show, in the cake spin off, an extra slice. Mm. Yes, trying to get them to do savoury. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do pies. Got to do pies, pies for sure. We'll see in that and have I get news for you and all these other things that you Oh, yeah, you yeah. Do. No, I love But I it's love nice that you're, that you're at that stage now you can just kind of get, yeah, I think I'll do that. Um, yeah, I might not do that. Pick but and choose. Yeah, that's, that's the way you Absolutely. want to be. Absolutely. It? No, Definitely. it's lovely. We always ask our guests the same questions at the end. Yeah, sure. Um, so we always ask what your biggest fail, regret and win has been. Oh. So we'll start with fail. Well, I don't know if I particularly regret it, but when I was sort of 12, my mum and dad sent me to the local comprehensive because the nearest, so we had grammar schools at the time and I got into the grammar school, but it was a two and a half hour journey each way. Ooh. And I did actually end up there eventually. I know this sounds like such a tiny thing, but after I went to the grammar school, having spent a year at the comprehensive school, I had loads of really good friends. Mm. We played each other at netball and they were like quite weird with me. They were like, you've gone over to the dark side now. And I really, in a way, regret not staying in some ways at that old school because I loved it. I didn't particularly want to go to a grammar school or, or, and it was an all girls school and it was like pretty, it was, I had some great friends from there as well, but it was rigid and mm. we had to wear boaters and all that sort of stuff, you know. And, Gosh, like Enid Blyton, like yeah. Mallory Towers. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think all girls schools make you a bit weird, mm. to be I, honest. I agree. I didn't so, go to one, but I know people that have. Yeah. And I think it changes your, you know, and I was just pleased that I had brothers because I had some idea how horrendous they were. <laughs> Dreadful boys. (laughs) Horrendous boys. Um, Win. Yeah. Your win. What do you think that is? In your life, it could be. Having lovely kids. Yes. Mm. You know, having kids that are really nice people. I mean, I I think the thing is when you're a mum, you know, you do think your own kids are great and you can't really tell sometimes if they're not, but I think you can secretly, and Mm. mums bury that because it's painful, you know. But what I always wanted my daughters to be was to be kind of generous, helpful people that were aware 
of of you know the structure of things and mm. not kind of cosseted in some some sort of girls boarding school where they've all got flicky hair and <laughs> I know what you mean I yeah. do know what you mean I do and and yeah I mean I like to spend time with Rosie I don't know if she feels the same come on Rosie <laughs> but I do like to spend time and you're right it's just like you know, I really like you as well. Love you. You're my daughter and I love you, but I like you as well. Do you find that with your Yeah, kids? absolutely. Yeah. Because I think sometimes parents would never admit it, but they they don't get on with their kids mm. that well, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's such a horrible job bringing up kids in that sense that you're so worried all the time that you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I, I was worried about, and you must have been as well, about being in the public eye. Oh, definitely. And, yeah. and how they would... Yeah. Deal with that, really? No, very much so. I mean, you were really good about that because, mm. and I think, did you Social get sort media, of weirdness at school about no, it? No, just all the boys fancying mum. That was it. Oh, behave yourself, a wee girl. No one would ever ever say anything to me. No, but it was, it was okay. No. But... I think it would be very different if maybe social media was more of a thing when I was in yeah. school, mm. and also it helps that mum is, you know, fairly mentally stable, and you're not. Um, yeah, go on, pick a pick a person. Pick a person to talk about. <laughs> yeah, but no, you're not going on, you know, reality TV shows and stripping off. Oh, I'm, I'm, you're not I'm doing banned, anything that banned. someone would come up to me and say. Yeah, you're say not something. being embarrassing. In other words, so yeah. see, I am that being embarrassing. A bit embarrassing. <laughs> Still quite embarrassing. Yeah, but not totally. No, I'm not going to go and eat a kangaroo's bum in the jungle. No. Hey, will you never do no. that? Not in a million years. I'll do it if you do it, but I'll never do it in a million years. <laughs> could you so imagine it? Both of us we could actually have a really good laugh. I think the two of you should. Yeah. yeah. But I just don't know. It would be the other people that would annoy me. Yeah. And I think you'd be bored. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Because you can't take books. You can't take books, I, can I, you? I couldn't survive without something no. to read or something And then you get do. agitated and then you shout at people and then yeah. Yeah, absolutely. you never work again. And then you get hungry and hangry. Mm. And oh, yeah, the hungry thing oh, would no, do me either. So I'm not allowed to do that, am I? No. <laughs> no, don't do it. You won't <laughs> like it. I won't like it. You're the one who do things that you want to do. You really do. Joe, what a joy. Oh, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Thank Thank you. so, so much. much. It is literally just like having a natter, isn't it? Which I like, you know. I could talk and talk and talk for you. I know. Thank and you so much. That's next lovely. time we'll not get you a cake, we'll get you a great big giant pie. Uh-huh. A proper a pie. pie. Yeah, a desperate Dan pie. That... a sort of well, a pie. for pork pie. <gasps> oh. The best things in the pick world. Yes. Oh. oh. Pick a lily. Homemade. <laughs> yeah. On that bombshell. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you.